This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Okay, let me just say something. How do you know whether Pastor and I or Pastor Dave or anybody that preaches up here or anybody else you hear, if they're telling the truth, if you don't see it in your own Bible? You need to see it in your own Bible. That's why it's important that you bring your own Bible. And I like to write in my Bible. Um, <clears throat> this one's not so bad because I well, actually, this Bible is just like the other one I had. I had to replace it because the pages were falling out. I had it so many years and wrote in it so much. So I got one just like the other one. That way I know where stuff's at. Amen. Okay. Well, um, let's open up with prayer. Father, we come before you tonight in Jesus' name, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, that we came here tonight to learn from your word. We came here because we're hungry Christians. We came here, Lord, because we want to be in your presence. We want to learn from you. And so, Lord, tonight as I deliver the word, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we have ears to hear, that we have eyes to see, that you've given us a heart of understanding, Lord, so that we can understand your word better. And we give you praise for it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the title of tonight's message is, And Jesus Gave Gifts Unto Men. And Jesus Gave Gifts Unto Men. Amen. So Sunday night I taught and we learned about the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost. Did any of you get any clarification on the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost on Sunday night? Yeah, I've had a lot of people tell me that they did. But today we're going to learn about uh, what Jesus, the gifts that Jesus gave to us. So if you'd open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm in the King, yeah, we'll be, I'm in the King James, so, um, hallelujah. King James, King James, Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start out with verse number 8. Verse number 8. Okay, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, this is talking about Jesus, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? So this is talking about Jesus. When he went up into heaven, um, he gave gifts to men. Amen. He gave us some gifts. Wouldn't you like to know what they are? Yeah, cool deal. If Jesus gave us a gift, you think it would be a good gift? Amen. I think so, too. But notice here it says that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. And so uh, did you know that uh, Jesus went to hell for us? Some people think, oh, no, he wouldn't have done that. And if actually, if you have a New Living Translation and you're looking at it, it says he came to the earth. It doesn't say he came to the lower parts of the earth. But let me show you some scriptures that will tell you, prove to you that Jesus did go to hell for us. Now, did he stay there? No, heavens no. Okay. Flip over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 27 through 32. 27 through 32. You can... I just want you to, I have these written down in front of my Bible, because sometimes people will argue with you, and they'll say, oh, that's not so, but oh, yeah, it is. It is too so. Acts 2, 27 through 32 says this, King James, listen to this, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer thine holy one to seek corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. 
Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus has God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. And so they're saying here, you know, David, he, you know, he was the king of Israel, da-da-da. He was a man, and he died, and he's buried, but not Jesus. Amen. Jesus rose on the third day, as you all well know. But there's another thing that it says that he will not, he would not leave, God the Father would not leave Jesus' soul in hell. But you know what, if, you know, if Jesus paid a complete and total price for us, right? If he, if he didn't go to hell for us, that means that we would have had to, right? So Jesus paid the complete and total price for us. Uh, look at Matthew 1240. This is along the same lines. I'm just giving you like five different references to this so you'll, so you'll know. Matthew 12:40. Matthew 12:40, King James. We're just in the King James all together tonight. Jesus said, "For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth." So Jesus is talking there about how he was going to be going to hell just like Jonah was in the, you know, that, that thing there. And then this is something awesome that Jesus did. Colossians 2.15. Colossians 2.15 says, Because Jesus went to hell for us, listen to this, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, those are demon, demon levels. And it says here that Jesus spoiled that. Jesus is, is Lord. Jesus has all, all authority, right? And so he spoiled them and made a show of them openly. He embarrassed Satan, in other words. So isn't that cool? He got to embarrass Satan. Satan thought he'd pulled a fast one on Jesus, but no, actually... The fast one was pulled on him. Amen. Then look at Revelations 118. And then we'll go back to Ephesians 4. Revelations 118 says this. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have, he says, the keys of hell and of death. Amen. So he went down to hell and he snatched those keys and he wrote, and Jesus wrote, uh, God the Father rose him back up and so he's got the keys. Amen. Hallelujah. So is that plain to everybody? Okay, so you can't argue with that, right? Pretty cool stuff. Okay, so verse 11, let's look at it. And he, Jesus, gave, these are the gifts, he's listening to the gifts that he gave. And Jesus gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. So this is called the fivefold ministry. A lot of times you'll hear the phrase the fivefold ministry. I had somebody come up to me during the Holy Spirit conference, and they said, and they said to me, "What is the fivefold ministry?" I said, "Oh, that's talked about in Ephesians chapter four, the gifts that Jesus gave. Uh, he gave apostles; those are the gifts, prophets, evangelists." 
pastors, and teachers. Fivefold ministry. Isn't that cool that Jesus did that? So the definition of an apostle is one who establishes churches and turns them over to another and moves on. Now, all you ladies out there know that I've got a big three-day women's conference in September. And my main speaker is Judith Harrington from Michigan, and she's an apostle. She's established churches all over, everywhere. She established two in California somewhere, and she's just established them everywhere. But she, she pioneers them, starts and pioneers them, and then she turns them over to another pastor who remains in authority under her. But uh, that's really cool, huh? Somebody that goes around and does that. That's a, that's a calling from God. You know, it's not easy to begin a church. Pastor and I pioneered two churches. Um, I will say this, though. It's a whole lot easier to pioneer than to take over an existing church, like we did here. But the Lord gave us the grace and the patience to be able to do it. But uh, it turned out good, huh? Yeah, it did turn out good. And also, like, you could put missionaries in that category today. You know, you could, you could flip missionaries over into that apostleship uh, category. You could do that. The next, the next uh, gift that he gave is the gift of prophet. Now, an example of a prophet is Dr. Barclay, right? You all love it when he comes in here. And you all love it when, when the Lord gives him, uh, gives him <clears throat> something about what's going on in society. Or, you know, he always gets always get his thing for the year. He goes away and praise and the Lord gives him all that stuff those are all words from the Lord that he gives us and there should be some of those on the info booth but he is a prophet and uh, I just want you to know this too that just because the Lord uses you maybe once or twice that does not make you into a prophet just because you give somebody a prophecy or say a prophecy that doesn't make you a prophet Okay. and then we have the gift of the evangelist perfect example of when the besters were here they are evangelists what, what, what is on the heart of an evangelist is souls. Did you notice how, I mean, all he, you know, he would talk about a few other things, but basically he got back to you, got you got to be born again, and he's preaching the gospel to you, and preaching the gospel to you, and preaching the gospel to you. And so I thought that was pretty cool. You know, and uh, I always pray that the Lord raises up more evangelists because these are the last days. People need born again. People need to, you know, not miss the boat. You know what I'm saying? So... I'm always praying for the Lord to raise up evangelists because it seems like they're too few and far between. Billy Graham was an awesome evangelist. Everybody knows about Billy Graham. Just went home to be with the Lord. But I thought it was so cool that for two solid weeks after that man died, even on the secular news, they're preaching his sermons. So even after he passed, his evangelistic things, it's still going out there, still going out there, still going out there, you know. So the evangelist does that. And I want to tell you a funny story between the difference between an evangelist and a pastor. I'm going to tell you a story about Farron. So I came to church one night, and it was like two minutes during the, these meetings. It was like two minutes till seven. And I say to Barbara, where's, where's Brian? And she said, oh, he went to pick somebody up. I said, pick somebody up? And she said, Yeah. And so after a while, here he comes. Here comes Brian with Farron. And he brings him to church. This is the difference between an evangelist and a pastor. The evangelist will go get you. The pastor will send somebody else to go get you. <laughs> we'll delegate it. We'll say, go pick up this guy. Here's his address. You know, you know go, go pick him up. But that was, that, that was really, that blessed my heart. That Brian... He, you know, he met you at Walmart, you know, late in the evening the night before. And here he goes. He goes and picks you up. And I think, God, you know, that's so cool. Evangelist. And, you know, and then he's out there in the streets, you know, in his town. It's not even his town. He's out there in the, out there at the Walmart.
Matt, the 99 cents store, and he's just preaching Jesus to everybody. But that's what an evangelist does. Amen. So that's pretty cool. And then there's pastors. So pastors stay with the flock. You know, we're here all the time. You know, we've got our little sheep fold here, and you got we're all the flock. And, and so pastors stay here with the sheep. Isn't that cool? It's like the Besser said, oh, I'm glad you're a pastor, not me. He says, I love him and I leave him, he says. You know, that's what they say. They don't want, they don't have that grace or that anointing to stay with the flock. So they come in, they love on us, they do their job, and they leave. And they go somewhere else. On the other hand, pastor and I, as pastors, we don't want to do that. We want to stay here. We want to be with the sheep. You know what I'm saying? So God graces these fivefold ministry gifts to do different things. Now, I've known people that, you know, if, if God ever changed our calling, and he's not going to at this stage of the game, but if he ever changed our calling to be traveling ministers, he would grace us to do that. But uh, I don't want to go there, you know. I'm, <laughs> I want to stay right here and, and pastor and, and be what we're supposed to be. And then there's the fivefold ministry gift of teacher. Now, I'm not talking about a Sunday school teacher. You know, a lot of people can be Sunday school teachers, but this is not talking about Sunday school teachers. This is talking about a fivefold ministry gift ordained by God to be a teacher in the body of Christ. So let's go over them again. You've got apostles. What do apostles do? St- establish churches. Prophets. Yeah, prophets like preaching, uh, speaking to people's life. One thing they don't do is uh, they don't go around telling the future. You know, that's Satan tries to imitate everything that God does. And so, like, if you've got a satanic person, they'll try to tell your fortune. You know, that's a, that's a counterfeit for the for God's gift of a prophet. Isn't that weird? And so they do weird stuff. And so, an evangelist. What does an evangelist do? Yeah, focuses on souls. Yep. I thought you were fishing. I thought, yeah, they go out fishing. She's going like this. They're fishing. Yes. Sometimes they fish singly. Sometimes they catch, throw out nets. Yeah. And then you've got a pastor. What's a pastor do? Stays with the flock. Amen. And then you've got teachers. And what do they, what do your teachers do? Teach. Okay, good deal. Okay, praise God. So, uh, Jesus was all five. You know, so we just get to operate in some of them. Um, you don't get to call yourself any of the above. You know, you can't wake up one day and say, well, I'm going to be this or I'm going to be that. Unless Jesus calls you himself. And if the whole, and if, he, if you're ever called, you will know it. You know, it'll be just something that just burns and burns and burns within you and you will know it. And you don't want to step into a position like that unless you are called because it's very dangerous to do that because uh, you're, you become an open target and you can't you can't do stuff like that. So you've got to be called to do it and the Lord will equip you and he will anoint you to walk in to walk in the fivefold. So if you aren't in the fivefold ministry, then you're supposed to be in the ministry of helps. The ministry of helps help the fivefold ministry to succeed. Amen. So let's say, for instance, that, uh, you know, we got pastor. So pastor comes in here and um, pastor has to uh, park his car, run to, the, run to the sidewalk, run back to the car and get his Bible, then come in, carry his Bible in here. Then he has to run up there and then he has to greet everybody. Then he has to run over there and do the coffee bar. Then he has to run over there and do the bookstore. Then he has to run over there, make sure the babies are all cool. Then he has to run over there and teach children's church. In the meantime, he's supposed to be over here. So you see what the Ministry of Helps does? Ministry of Helps does all this other stuff so the pastor can do what he's supposed to do in the local church. See, all of our gifts are different, everything that we have to do. So pastor has his job, sheep have their job. 
pastor shouldn't do the sheep's job, although he could, but he shouldn't. And sheep can't do the pastor's job. Okay? So uh, you need to receive the gifts that the Lord has given to you. Okay? Let's go down here. Let's read a little bit farther. You need to be thankful and appreciate the gifts the Lord has given to them. Don't cause them or the body of Christ trouble by stomping your little feet and pitching a fit in church. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to gripe and complain and murmur in the church. And you're not supposed to sow discord among the brethren. You can look that up. The reference is Proverbs 6.19. We're not going to go there. But it talks about seven things that the Lord hates. And one of them is those who sow discord among the brethren. So when you're in the body of Christ and you've got the pastor, you know, you're supposed to receive him as a gift from God. And so uh, do you trample and step on and kick and yell and scream out a gift that Jesus gave you? You know, would you do something like that? So you need to respect and honor, you know, the gift of pastor. Um, does all this mean that you don't have a free will? No, you know, you're, you're free to leave here whenever you want to. I just hope that you never do. Because we love all of you and we want you here and we want to, we want to grow together, you know. I tell you what, um, High Desert Word Center is unique. Because we are definitely a family. We love one another in here, I'm telling you. You know, we spend a good five or ten minutes every service greeting and loving on one another. You know, some churches, uh, I've heard of people, well, even Pastor and I, if we're traveling, we've gone places and nobody greets us. Nobody shakes our hand. Nobody looks at us or any of the above. And I've heard some people even in town here that have gone to another church and they'll say, nobody, I went there a couple of weeks and nobody even talked to me. And I'm thinking, man, that breaks my heart, you know. So we don't want to be that way. We want people to know that when they come into this place and see all of you have a part of it, you know, love on people when they come in here. Hug them or shake their hand or whatever, you know, and tell them that you're glad they're here. Tell them your name. What's your name? You know, ask them their name and, and stuff like that. And so so that's why we go to all the trouble to meet and greet one another because everybody in here is valuable. And we want them to know that. You know, some people don't ever get a hug. Some people don't ever get to hear, I love you. And so we do that. Amen. And so I love, I love it that we do that. We're a very loving church and we're a family. Let's, uh, let's look at Hebrews, uh, 13, 17. And then we're going to come back to Ephesians again. Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews thirteen seventeen <clears throat> says this Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And so this is talking about you know, in the, in the church, you know, it's nice to obey what the pastor says. Hey, would you go do this for me or whatever? Would you learn this Bible verse? Would you go pray for so-and-so over there? It's nice if you obey him and do what he, what he says to do. And submit yourselves. It says, for, for he watches for your soul. And isn't that amazing? It doesn't say that you're all supposed to watch for one another's souls. It says that the, the pastor is supposed to watch for your soul. He's graced to do that. Why? So that he can, can give an account. He has to give an account for you. And he wants to be able to do it with joy and not with grief. 
So some people that we've had in the in our pastorate all these years, you know, if the Lord were to say to us, Oh, how was so and so? Pastor would have to say, I don't know, they left. They left, Lord. They left. They left the church. I don't know, Lord. Um or another another group of people we would uh, he would have to say, Lord, I I couldn't build your church with them. You know, sometimes I'll I'll say to him, you know, he get you know, Pastor and I, we get we we see you all and we have high hopes for you. We see your gifts, we see your your what you what the Lord wants you to do, and we get so excited about you. But we also watch you, and to see if you're going to remain faithful and all that kind of stuff, and. uh and I told the Lord, and sometimes Pastor will go home and he'll say, Oh, so-and-so wasn't there again, you know. And his little, I mean, you know, my heart still gets broken over, but Pastor's is more than mine. I, I try to fluff it off because i got enough going on without grieving all the time about people. But what we, but I tell Pastor, Lord, I say, I say, I say oh, Pastor, we can't build the, the kingdom of God with those kind of people. They don't show up. They don't tithe and they don't serve. And so that's our report to the Lord about us, you know, some people. Not you guys. You're all here. You're the radical fanaticals. You're out on a Wednesday night. Most of you are here on a Sunday night. I love you guys. <laughs> you're right here with us. But some people are like this. We cannot build the kingdom of God on them because they don't show up. Therefore, they're not matured. They don't give into the kingdom of God. They don't support the keeping the church going. And... uh they don't serve anywhere, so we can't we can't we can't give a good account for people like that because they haven't they didn't step up to the plate they didn't do what they were called to do, amen. Or then other people maybe will say, well, Lord, they thought they knew more than we did. They exalted themselves above the office of the pastor. You know, sometimes people get fat heads, you know. But but we can't we can't we can't uh, build the kingdom of God with those kind of people. But we can build the kingdom of God with you guys, with you, you people, all of you guys out there. We can build the kingdom of God with you. So isn't that something that God has placed on the pastor to give an account? So it's like pastor used to always say, you know, when I get to heaven, there'll be people lined up by me. And the Lord will say, well, we're so-and-so. And pastor will say, I don't know, Lord, they left. They left me, Lord, they left. But then you'll have somebody else come up and, and they'll be right there. Here I am, here I am, Pastor, here I am, you know. And Pastor says, yeah, they were great, Lord. They helped me, they tied, they were there all the time. They they served in the church. And he'll just say, you know, way to go, kiddo. You know, Jesus will give you a pat on the back or, or something. So it'll be pretty cool when he does that kind of stuff. But that is a very heavy thing for you to be given the... Thing of looking over the sheep like like the office of a pastor does. You know, a lot of times, pastor he'll say to me, "Man, I've been praying for so and so for two days." You know, every once in a while he'll he'll text somebody. You know, he'll call somebody. You know, he can't call everybody all the time. That takes all day long. But you know, if the Lord places you on His heart, He may text you. He may have me text you or something like that, just to see how you're doing. Or he'll just spend the time praying for you, you know. He may not text you either one, but he'll just pray for you. And every once in a while, the Lord will show him, you know, while they're having trouble with da-da-da-da, and so the Lord prays, you know, and keeps his mouth shut. And it's really cool, you know, have somebody that the Lord places over you like that. That, you know, I just think it's cool of God, you know. God's so He's just kind of cool, you know what I mean? Okay, so let's see. Let me back up. So verse 12, Ephesians 4.12, let's get back there. 
So, why did God give the fivefold ministry gifts? And here's his reason. Number one, for the perfecting of the saints. Number two, for the work of the ministry. Number three, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And what did I tell you all edifying means? I told you this Sunday night. What does edifying mean? It means to build up. And so, the fivefold ministry is supposed to perfect the saints. Now, we're never going to be perfect like Jesus, but that word perfect means to mature. We're supposed to be growing. Okay, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to be Christians for 40 years and still suck on our thumb, you know what I'm saying? We're supposed to grow up in the Lord. Amen. We're supposed to mature. We're supposed to become so mature and so fruitful that people can come up and pick fruit off of us and, and, you know, and, and get something good off of us. We're supposed to be able to help others. So that's why he gave the fivefold. Number one, to perfect the saints, mature the saints. For the work of the ministry. Ministry, I always say, how do you spell ministry? It's W-O-R-K. Yeah, some of you, I'm looking at some of you folks out there, you're shaking your heads at me because some of you are working your tails off for Jesus, you know what I mean? And number, number three is for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. That's why God gave the fivefold ministry gifts. Okay, so for how long did he give us the fivefold? Look at verse 13. It says, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect or a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we're all supposed to come in the unity of the faith. You know, if we're reading the same word, looking at the same word, you know, we're supposed to know how faith comes. We're supposed to know how healing comes. We're supposed to know about our finances. We're supposed to know about religion. We're supposed to know everything. And so we're all supposed to know this together and see it in the word. We're all supposed to know that. So that's the unity of the faith. We're going to have that unity and knowledge of the Son of God. We're going to learn about Jesus. The more we study the word, the more we're going to learn about Jesus and his character. And the we want to be able to love like he loved. We want to be able to have compassion like he had compassion. We want to be able to, to lay hands on the sick like he laid hands on the sick. We want to be able to do what he had, what he did. And then again, he wants us to mature. Okay, so look at verse 14. So his purpose is that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to receive, to, uh, to deceive. So we don't want to be like children, babies, pitching fits and throwing tantrums and all that kind of stuff. We want to grow up. We want to learn how to walk in love. We want to learn how to walk in forgiveness. We want to learn that we're not supposed to get offended. You know, when, when somebody bugs us at church, we're supposed to, we're out there in the world, we're supposed to learn this stuff. We're not supposed to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. You know, when you've been along, around as long as I have in the body of Christ, every 20 or 30 years, the same old error comes flying through, you know, and it's like a wind that comes blowing in. And it's error. And sometimes... Believers will pick up, they'll, they'll fall into it. But if you're in a strong church that teaches the word, you won't fall for the deceits and the tricks of the devil. Amen. And then it says, slight of men, craftiness. In other words, imposters that come in. Uh, save your place here in Ephesians 4 and flip over to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. Second. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. 2 Timothy 3, verses 6 through 9. It says, For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captives, silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses... So do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobates concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. So you see, it's, it's so important to be in the safety of a flock. You know, people that are at home, being their own pastor, being their own lead, being their own whatever, they get off into la-la land, I always call it. They're out there floating around somewhere, being deceived over stupid stuff. But if you're if you're if you stay in the sheepfold under under your pastor and stuff like that, and you get good solid word, and we bring in other fivefold ministry gifts and stuff like that, and you're able to see them and you're able to experience them, then you won't be led astray. You know, and if you ever have any if you ever have any questions on Lord, is this God? You know, if you start hearing something stupid, just come ask us. We'll tell you. You know, and and you know, as pastor. I, I, I specifically watched the young adults because a lot of the young adults um, just got saved. And so I watch them real close. And sometimes I, I'll talk to them. And I've had to talk to a couple of them. And I'll say, look, that stuff you're listening to is error. And they'll say, well, you know, and I'll tell them, you know, you're listening to the gold, and, gold dust and feathers folks. I said, that's error. You know, if you don't know what that is, you don't need to know, but I'll just tell you. It's a, it's a group of folks that were out here in La La Land, you know, over here somewhere, that decided that the Holy Ghost, if the, if the Holy Ghost was going to show up, then there would be gold dust and feathers laying around. Now, does that even make sense? No. Well, some of them, I mean, even like, like last year, one of them in particular was, was listening to that stuff, and I said, hey, look, you know, so when Pastor and I come up to you and we warn you, you know, you need to, you need that stuff's there. You're going to get in big fat trouble if you keep listening to that stuff. You know, and, you know, we've got great young adults who will say, oh, thank you, Mrs. Pastor, for telling me that. I didn't know that. I won't listen to that anymore or whatever. You know, so, but we want to be able to warn you of stupid stuff. You know what I mean? The stuff that's not, that's not truth, that's not sound doctrine. So, anyway, that's cool. But, like it says here in Second Timothy that we just read, people that are off by themselves, they're easily deceived. So that's why, again, it's so important for you to be in the local church, hearing the word, seeing it in your own Bible. You know, when we're preaching to you, you look down, you look in your Bible, you write in your Bible, and you, and you make sure that what we're saying to you, you see it with yourself, with your own eyes, so that you know. Amen? Okay, so, let's see, let's flip back to 14. Okay, so here you are, uh, verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love... So the fivefold is going to speak the truth to you in love. Amen. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now listen to this, verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself 
in love. So the whole body of Christ is like like at High Desert Word Center, okay? We're the body of Christ at High Desert Word Center in Barstow. All of you are like a puzzle piece. And you all fit in just a certain way, right? You're all different. A lot of you do different things. You have different giftings and different things that you do. But if you put this whole puzzle piece together of High Desert Word Center people and don't have any holes where people don't show up, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like that. But if you've got this puzzle, it says it fitly is joined together and it makes a hole. It makes a hole so that every joint supplies. So that when you're here, so you don't even realize that just the very presence of you being here brings a present, bring, brings your portion in. You bring in your part, even if you're not serving that day, even if you're just coming in and sitting down. You're bringing in an anointing with you because you each have your own separate anointing. But when, you come, when you're not here, then that's missing. Like right now, I know some people that are supposed to be here. They're not here. And the, the, the hole that they leave by not being here is great. It's just great. And so, it's, you see what I mean by it's so important for you to come in, each part doing its part, every joint supplying. And then it says here that it makes increase in the body of Christ as a whole. So, you know, we've got, a pastor says, well, Pastor Dave says if all, everybody comes here at the same time, we've got almost 300 people. We've been believing for 300 people. We've got almost 300 people that come to High Desert Wood Center, different, you know. Sometimes they come Wednesday night. You don't see them the rest of the week or Sunday morning or Sunday night or whatever. But if you combine them all together, there's almost 300. Well, Pastor said the Holy Ghost told him the other day we're shooting for, for uh, what, four, four, four to five hundred. The Holy Ghost showed him that the other day. So what does it take for 500 people? It takes more folks watching the babies. It makes more folks greeting. It takes more ushers. It takes more security folks. It takes more of everything. So see, your joint supplies and it makes increase in the body of Christ as we get larger. There's 94 people here tonight on the property, including nurseries and children and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and FPU's over there. So a bunch of the adults are over in the admin building going through FPU and learning how to be smart with their money. Amen. So, who gave the fivefold ministry? Who did? Jesus did. What are they? Okay, and what do they do? They equip the, they equip the saints. They equip the saints. Amen. So does that help you understand a little bit better the fivefold ministry gifts? Okay, cool deal. All right. Well, let's close her down. We can all stand up and. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.